Hello, this is Martin Wolf, Chief Economics Commentator of the Financial Times, with my podcast, Why Saving the World Economy Should Be Affordable, March the 17th, 2009. Can we afford this crisis? Will governments destroy their solvency as they use their balance sheets to rescue over-indebted private sectors? The debate, as it has so often been, is principally between the U.S. and Germany. Thus, in a speech last week, Tim Geithner, U.S. Treasury Secretary, noted that, I quote, the IMF has called for countries to put in place fiscal stimulus of 2% of aggregate GDP each year by 2009 to 10. This is a reasonable benchmark to guide each of our individual efforts. We think the G20 should ask the IMF to report on country stimulus efforts scaled against the relative shortfall in growth rates, end of quote. Needless to say, no such firm pledge was forthcoming, with Germany particularly resistant. Nevertheless, a great deal of fiscal stimulus has occurred. This is what readers of recent research on the aftermath of financial crises by Carmen Reinhardt of the University of Maryland and Kenneth Rogoff of Harvard would expect. These authors concluded from studying 13 big financial crises that the average rise in real public debt in the three years following a banking crisis was 86%. In some of these cases, the increase was more than 150%. So is there good reason to expect huge increases in public sector indebtedness across the globe, not least in AAA-rated sovereign borrowers? The answer is yes. If so, does this guarantee defaults of some kind? The answer is no. In a recent paper, the staff of the International Monetary Fund suggests why these are the right answers. By 2012, suggests the IMF, the ratio of gross public debt to gross domestic product could be 117% in Italy, 97% in the US, 80% in France, 79% in Germany, and 75% in the UK. In Japan, still scarred by the legacy of a huge bubble, the ratio could hit 224%. Current forecasts are evidently much higher than those made before the crisis hit. Yet the jumps in indebtedness are not particularly onerous, provided the willingness of governments to avoid default is not in question. Assume, for example, that the real interest rate these highly rated countries pay is one percentage point higher than the long-term growth rate of their economies. Then the requirement for stabilizing a ratio of public debt to GDP at 100% is a primary budget surplus, surplus before interest, of just 1% of GDP. Nevertheless, three counter-arguments can be advanced. First, In some cases, primary fiscal deficits are already very large. Among bigger advanced countries, this is particularly true for this year in the U.S., forecast at minus 9.9% of GDP, Japan and the U.K. both forecast at minus 5.6%, and Spain forecast at minus 4.9%. The primary deficits of France, Germany, and Italy are far smaller 
at minus 3.6%, minus 1.1%, and plus 1.1%, respectively. So stabilizing debt requires large fiscal adjustment in some countries. Second, the political willingness to curb deficits by raising taxes or cutting spending may come into question. This could become a self-fulfilling prophecy, with flight from debt raising interest rates, necessitating ever more costly and so less plausible fiscal tightening. Third, the ultimate rise in indebtedness could be far bigger than the IMF forecasts. This would be consistent with experience. The primary explanation will be that the world economy is embarked on a prolonged balance sheet deflation comparable to Japan's in the 1990s. I would argue against these points. First, markets themselves are optimistic about the fiscal prospects. Expected inflation remains well contained in the U.S. and U.K., and interest rates on conventional 10-year U.S. and U.K. government bonds are still below 3%. Second, the cost of meeting the added burden of aging is far higher than any plausible cost of the crisis. On IMF forecasts, the present value of the fiscal costs of aging in the U.S. is 15 times the cost of the crisis. Third, it makes no sense to avoid action that would greatly lower the real economic costs of the crisis now in order to eliminate a hypothetical and avoidable fiscal crisis later on. This would be like committing suicide in order to stop worrying about death. Nevertheless, it is wise to limit longer-term fiscal risks. The most important actions are to curb long-term age-related spending, but there is also a current agenda, rebalancing of world demand. Surplus countries subcontract to their trading partners the job of spending oneself into bankruptcy while lecturing the latter on their profligacy. Thus the reason the US, the UK and Spain have huge fiscal deficits is that they are offsetting the collapse of private spending at home and the export of demand abroad. This is unsustainable in the long run. The danger now is that the surplus countries expect recovery to come from enormous and sustained fiscal expansion in deficit countries. Some analysts argue that the U.S. should have refused to take fiscal action at all, leaving it to surplus countries. Unfortunately, that would have meant a global depression. Nevertheless, without rebalancing, there can be no healthy recovery. On this point, the U.S. is right and Germany is wrong. This podcast is available at www.ft.com forward slash wolf podcast. My columns are available at www.ft.com forward slash wolf. Goodbye.